Hey folks, Joyce Vance here. Another busy week of high-profile legal cases and investigations making the headlines. Actor Alec Baldwin was charged with involuntary manslaughter for allegedly shooting and killing a cinematographer on the set of the movie Rust in 2021. In other news, the FBI searched President Biden's Rehoboth Beach, Delaware home and didn't find any more classified documents. A search of former Vice President Pence's Indiana home is also expected soon. And Fulton County, Georgia District Attorney Fonnie Willis said that her office's decisions are imminent on whether to charge Donald Trump and his associates for their efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election in that state. Preet Bharara and I discuss all this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we are sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. Speaking of celebrities, how about the first law thing we talk about is the ongoing criminal case against one Alec Baldwin. Really fascinating that they charged this because I am still not persuaded and I have been waiting all week to discuss this with you. So let's talk. So last we discussed this, we mentioned how odd it is for a prosecutor to announce that a charge is going to be brought without actually bringing the charge. So now we have the charging document and there's some interesting things in it. I, I wonder if there's anything in particular that struck you, but maybe begin with this idea. It's not the central idea. But this idea that the prosecutors seem very fixated, and I wonder if you think it's as relevant as they do, highly fixated on the fact that Alec Baldwin publicly stated again and again that he didn't pull the trigger when there's footage that shows that he did, and an FBI report concludes that he had to have pulled the trigger for the gun to have fired. Are they putting too much emphasis on that or not? You know, what this looks like is a case where the prosecution really wanted to indict Baldwin. And it may be that he's guilty of a crime we used to talk about in my office a lot, pissing off the police, right? Some of the stuff that he did here, the the public statements, the maybe contradictory public statements, really got under the skin of law enforcement. And they didn't want to let him walk away from this without at least some involvement with the criminal justice system. But that said, their single best piece of evidence is really this FBI report. And all we've heard so far is the prosecution side of that report. If there is a contradictory report from the defense that talks, and I think we saw some suggestion of that from the defense early on, that they might be able to have contrary authority then the prosecution could really be in trouble because what you have to keep going back to here, you know, this isn't a civil case where the burden of proof is more likely than not. This is a criminal case. Prosecution's going to have to convince every juror that Baldwin is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. I still think that's real tough here. Do you think that the crux of the case lies more on the fact that Baldwin was the shooter or more on the fact that he had responsibility as a producer? I think to succeed, the prosecution will have to intermarry those. Some of their best evidence talks about the way Baldwin gave short shrift to firearm safety training. Perhaps the co-defendant, and particularly strongly if she pleads guilty, 
and points the finger at, at stuff like the fact that instead of doing the training, he was talking with his family on the phone. That's problematic. Yeah, and it also is, has jury appeal. Well, I think it does, right? And, and there were two prior incidents on the set where guns were mishandled, not in a lethal way and not by Baldwin. But does that put him on notice as a producer that there's a problem? You know, maybe it does. If he pulls the trigger and it seems certain that they've got video that suggests that he did, they still have a couple of issues here because arguably his his victims, both the camera person who he shot and killed and the other individual who was injured, apparently they were encouraging. They were trying to set up the shot, but there's a lot of irregularity around it. For one thing, the fact that they're in that, that room in proximity to him the fact that he's using a real gun, not a prop gun. Ultimately, you still have the question of how live ammunition got there. And there's nothing that suggests Baldwin is responsible for that, which I think really makes this just a tough hill for the prosecution to climb. One of my favorite facts in the charging document is where the prosecutors allege since the shooting, Baldwin has asserted publicly that he is an expert in the realm of firearms and filmmaking. And then it goes on to say... Quote, investigation has revealed that Baldwin has been involved in at least 40 films or TV productions that involve firearms, with Baldwin either directly handling firing a weapon or in a scene with firearms being directly handled and or fired by someone else. End quote. So you think there was a paralegal or an ADA in that district attorney's office whose job it was to watch every violent Baldwin film? Because that's a pretty fun assignment. You know, I would. I'd sign up for that assignment. Look, I mean, even when you see them lay out facts like that, though, it's, and, and I'm not, by the way, an apologist for, for Baldwin here. I think if there's a criminal case against him, he should be prosecuted. I don't, I'm sort of agnostic on that. But even those facts suggest that Baldwin across 40 films, you know, no live ammo on a set ever, right? And, and so I think, again, just because you've got to convince every juror, this is still a tough case. I think the other pieces of evidence that are both relevant and have jury appeal are the prior incidents of shootings and misfirings on the set. And so I think the prosecutors are trying to do what good prosecutors try to do, which is not limit their evidence or their narrative to that single moment in time when the gun went off and someone was shot or two people were shot, but rather, you know, widen the lens to include other occasions where they should have been on notice that they didn't have good gun safety practices. Don't you think that's pretty good for them? Yeah, I think that's among their best evidence. It's compelling evidence in a civil case for, for civil liability. Here, as always, right, the devil is in the details. And if they can show that Baldwin was aware of those incidents and ignored them and that some of the same practices happened here, maybe their case gets a little bit stronger. It does have jury appeal for sure. There are two different charges here that prosecutors plead in the alternative, and one involves negligence with a firearm. It's, it's a charge that's labeled as negligent use of a deadly weapon. And we talked about that a little bit when we discussed this case earlier. That charge, it, it's tough to know how it plays out. This isn't a case where somebody walks into a bank brandishing a gun to commit the crime. This is actually where the gun is there. It's implicit in the crime itself. And so whether it even counts 
is an issue. And then the second count in the alternative is a much more traditional involuntary manslaughter charge, suggesting that there was gross negligence, that this was a lawful act committed in a manner without due cause or circumspection that he should have been aware, that Baldwin should have been aware was likely to result in a death. What do you think about the pleading of the two different charges? Do you like one better than the other? Well, I don't understand how they think. I'm just confused as to the theory by which they're using inciting to a law that was enacted after the conduct. Am I missing something? You know, I don't think you are. They they seem to be basing that first part on a amendment to the law that happens about a year after all of this happens. And the new law is certainly stronger for them. It, it would be a better sort of a theory for them. I think that they're stuck with the older version of the law, which would require proof that Baldwin was brandishing the gun, sort of back to my bank robbery sort of approach. That's tough to prove here. Brandishing, I think of as being display in a threatening fashion, Clearly not the case here. And unless there's something weird in New Mexico law, which it seems to me would be unconstitutional and would let them use this law that's passed after the crime occurs, then I think this may explain why we've got the two charges pled in the alternative. And they are stuck with the more traditional involuntary manslaughter case, which also would bear a a lesser potential sentence. I think 18 months max as opposed to five years if the gun is involved. Yeah, so we should just explain to people that the ex post facto clause of the Constitution, as a general matter, means you can't be charged and prosecuted and convicted of a crime under a statute that was not in play at the time of the conduct, right? Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. And to the many of you who've chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.